Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is the triumphant return of Buckeye Football Futures. I had totally forgotten about BFFs until today. I was looking back through some old podcasts and remembered that Stephen and I are kind of bringing the band back together today. I'm Nathan Baird, Cleveland.com, along with Stephen Means. We're recording this one week and one day ahead of the start of the early signing period, also known as National Signing Day. Ohio State finishing off its 2022 class in the next week. Or, or and some change, depending on how things work out, I suppose. Steven, we're not going to go through the whole class today, player by player. That's going to be more about uh, something that we do on signing day. We've been talking about these players all along. Today's going to be more about where things stand today and what's going to happen in the next week as Ohio State finishes off this class. But if you could, give people sort of a brief summary of this class, where it stands nationally, and what has happened so far to get Ohio state to the, whatever it is, 16, 17 commitments that they have as of today. Yeah, they've got 17 commits. It's the fourth best class in the country behind Georgia, Texas, A&M and Alabama. So basically behind the sec power. So that be, uh, it's headlined obviously by CJ Hicks, the five-star linebacker, the number seven player and top linebacker in the country at Archbishop Alter high school in Dayton, Ohio. And that's what it, it's a, it's a, it's got a mixture of what you expect from Ohio State class at this point. Some top 100 guys who you expect to be able to play for you right away or at least by year two. And then some more developmental guys at the bottom of it, more, you know, three star in the mid 300 section of it. And nothing's changed. They've, they've been at that 17th commitment and they're going to be at that 17th commitment uh, until we find out what X wants, Xavier Wampa wants to do. And then obviously there's a bunch of other guys who are sprinkled throughout the month of December who have commitment dates set for you know different all american games and whatnot so it's it's there seems to be this it's it's quiet but it's not quiet because nothing is happening behind the scenes it's quiet simply because well ohio state had an extra week to go out and be on the road and recruiting just because they weren't playing in a big 10 championship game and it's quiet because people have decisions on certain dates so you just have to wait till that day to find out if there's going to be an 18th or a 19th or a 20th guy in the class I sent out a request for questions to our texters, 614-350-3315. If you are not a member yet and want to get in on that in future, $3.99 a month after your two-week free trial, which if you joined up today, would take you through National Signing Day. So anything that uh, happens between now and then that uh, is of immediate news, we'll be texting it out to people on that line first and foremost. And uh, I'm probably not going to use a lot of individual questions because many people had questions around the same thing. So I kind of synthesized that into the topics that we're going to talk about today. But before we get into some specifics, there were several questions about kind of what you just mentioned, Stephen, which is this idea of momentum, like the recruiting momentum. And I think people uh, are curious about that because with Ohio State, and this has been the way it is the last couple of years, there's been such a flourish at the start of the cycle they get a ton of recruit, a ton of commitments early on. And then it's just a matter of sort of then plotting your way to national signing day at the end of it. How would you characterize momentum right now? If I guess, first of all, is momentum a thing at this stage of the process for really any 
program and what is happening with Ohio State as far as momentum or whether that's uh, not really a factor right now? Yeah, I think commitments kind of operate like a basketball game a little bit where you, you, you're going to have your runs. Obviously, Ohio State typically has had these significant runs at the beginning where you see a lot of the, the in-state highly rated guys hop on board. And then there's usually that first run of national commitments. And then there's another run right after you have the official visits of June that you typically see. Um, that's just typically when you see Ohio State's run. And so this is not necessarily a time where you see that because typically by this point, the class is near full. We saw that with the 2020 group and we saw that with the 2021 group. Like Texas A&M right now is on a bit of a run with how they're landing commits right now. Um, USC is kind of on a bit of a run, but it's basically just like the Oklahoma class deciding to wear a different jersey because Lincoln Riley's not there anymore. So I don't even know if that's a run or if it's just like you moving your team. So it's just... This is just not typically when you see runs for Ohio State, but because there's some uncertainty about the defensive staff and what it's going to look like, if it's going to change or not, that's why there's such a big hole at like there's only one defense, like there's only one defensive lineman in the class. You're wondering whether or not the two, you know, defensive backs that they hope to add are going to end up being Buckeyes or not. It's that the un- the uncertainty on that side of the ball is why there's still maybe this gaping hole in this recruiting class in a way that maybe we haven't seen under Ryan Day so far. You asked Ryan Day about that earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, I wanted to know if they felt like they needed to have a defensive coordinator or at least have the bulk of their the the juxtaposition of the defensive coaching staff in place before signing day for the sake of some of these recruits. And so these recruits understood who was going to be coaching them. And he didn't necessarily brush it off, but he felt like they're still fine as they are because of the the idea of, you know, you're not just committing to Ohio state because of a certain coach being in place here. And there's enough guys on the staff who, regardless of how things work out, will, will still be here that these players still have relationships with that. He doesn't feel like that needs to be one of the reasons why he needs to have a, a, his defensive staff in place as soon as possible. And also, obviously I asked him about, you know, the changes in college football and how that changes that recruiting. I asked people behind the scenes about that, which they agreed with the theory of that. Yeah. They might have to you know change some things. They might have to kind of push the reset button on how they approach certain things, but this is still Ohio state and they should, they still feel confident that they should be able to go in the, in the area and be able to pull guys out. I understand they probably now granted, they're not going to be able to do it at the level they have been doing it at because USC does exist now and LSU's kind of pressed the reset button as well, but they still feel like they can go in these different areas and still have the recruiting success that we've seen. You know, it's hard to imagine that it wouldn't have some effect. I, I don't know if it affects the 2022 class a lot, this defensive mm-hmm. uncertainty. I'm sure that there's some guys who have final decisions to make where it is coming into effect. I, I would think that it would have a big effect in beyond that. Guys in 2022 maybe already are far along in the process, are a little bit closer to, you know, having gathered their information and, and know what they're doing. But, I mean, how do you send Kerry Combs into a room to recruit a guy and what does he say about whether or not he's going to be there in January, let alone when they show up? Yeah. Speaking of like for future people, that's probably the guys like AJ Harris and Caleb Downs. That's probably where that applies to the most at this, because they are so early. And, but both of those guys are nearing decisions over the next couple of weeks here. That is true. If you've, if you've built such a strong relationship with a guy who's not going to be here, that probably changes and kind of makes you reassess some things, especially when there's some, some other big time schools involved like Georgia, like Clemson, like Alabama. So it is kind of important to have that clarity. Listen, it's carry for the corner, maybe for corner more than any other position. The question is going to be, is Kerry Combs going to be here or not? That's that is the most important thing. It's it's that, and then it's, it's Larry Johnson retiring this this offseason or not. Those are the two most important questions with the defense because those are two guys who Kerry Combs showed us he's irreplaceable because when he left, the recruiting went down. You can't have that happen again. You got to find a way to offset that if he's not going to be here. Larry Johnson literally is probably un- is irreplaceable. As soon as he retires, whenever that is, the defensive line recruiting here is clearly going to change unless you just happen to knock it out of the park again. So those two decisions right there. Listen, that can either keep you in the battle for some of these five-star guys, especially when you're talking about guys living in SEC territory, or you might just have to press the reset and hopefully knock it out of the park again. But they've showed in the past they haven't necessarily always done that. Yeah, and I do think that is the bigger deal. I don't know that it matters who Ohio State hires as a defensive coordinator as far Mm -hmm. as attracting recruits probably, especially, again, to finish this 2022 class. I do think it matters what they're telling people about 
the guy who's in the room talking to them, trying to trying to get them to come to Ohio State like that. And, and, and in particular, Kerry Combs and I guess Larry Johnson, too. But but in particular, Kerry Combs, just because that's where I think there's more uh, it, it, stated uncertainty. I mean, there's been a change in his job status over the course of the season. So that that's where I think that there probably is a little bit more hanging out there. But I also think that what's Ryan Day supposed to do? He's not going to come in and tell us like, oh man, it is a huge problem for us. We are really struggling mm-hmm. out there. And because uh, he controls how much of a problem it is because he's, he, he controls the message a little bit. So uh, that will be, we'll know more about that. I think after the fact than we can say with certainty about it as it's unfolding, let's talk about what actually is going to unfold between now and signing day. And as you already mentioned, the most immediate question is Xavier Nwakba. Just remind people who he is and where that is as far as a decision. Yeah, Xavier Nwakba, the number 42 player, the number five safety in the country. They want him to come here and be the bullet. Um, I don't know if the bullet means like the Ronnie Hickman version of the bullet or the bullet the way that they've been trying to express us. It's supposed to be played the last couple of years. But the point of the matter is they want him to come here and be the bullet within that three safety Four two five, you know, defensive scheme that they have here, and this one is probably the most up in the air of how this is going to go. As you guys are listening to this, the expectation is that he'll be announcing his decision at five o'clock Eastern time on Wednesday. It's there are people. I mean, the Ohio State people think they're in a good position. There are Iowa people who think they're in a good position. It seems like Notre Dame's the only school who doesn't think they're in a good position. But let's see how much Marcus Freeman now being the head coach changes that over the next couple of days here. But listen, Ohio State wants Xavier Wampa and they want Zion Branch. That if they're going to add safeties, any more defensive backs, any more safeties to this class, it's going to be Zion Branch. It's going to be Xavier Wampa. We're going to find out if one of those guys is going to agree to come. As I said on last week's pod, I'm very much not confident in Zion Brands coming here now that USC is relevant again, because that's a dream school for him. And it's, it's just, that's very doubtful that they actually pull that off with Xavier Wampa. He's Ohio state's been the leader for a lot of a couple of months here. He's got a strong relationship with a lot of the people in the class. He's got strong relationships with Matt Barnes and Kerry Combs, which is very important there. Matt Barnes and Ryan day went to go see him last week as part of the in-home visit schedule that they've been on. And so, We'll, we'll see here. Uh, there's two schools who clearly have a lot of confidence that they feel like they can, they're going to pull this off and we'll see which one actually ends up winning out here. I was trying to go back and find our list because you and I at one point did a pod, a BFF about what are the top needs for 2022. Mm-hmm. And both of us had safety, I think at either the number one spot or like one and two, like yeah. it was a huge need if they don't get Xavier Nwangpa or Zion Branch, that seems like a huge cavity in this class. From a bodies and numbers standpoint, no. But from a talent standpoint, based off what we've seen this year, 100%. That's a problem right now. Because, yes, Josh Proctor is coming back. So at least, like, you know who your starting free safety is. Uh, assuming Ronnie Hickman comes back, you know who your bullet is. And the, assuming that like Cameron Martinez and Lathan Ransom take the next step in their development, you might be fine there. But you're the only one of those you're really confident about is, is the starting free safety and the starting bullet. Everything behind that, there's a lot of question marks, and especially going towards the future, because regardless of what we're talking about here, this is Josh Proctor and Ronnie Hickman's last year next year. So what do you do after that? So the, the, they have the scholarship numbers, but the, yeah, the, uh, Xavier Wampa, and Zion Branch are that important. Even if people want to say things like, oh, they'll be fine based off of the numbers. No, I don't think the talent this year shows you that Ohio State should be 100% comfortable with what they have back there, which is why they, they've they been in this so long and waited up to this moment to hopefully still land those guys. Well, there's no position really, and we'll talk about linebacker in a little bit. That may be the exception, but there's no position. Like when I'm talking about Xavier Nongpa and, and Zion Branch being a potential big cavity, I'm not even talking about 2022 because we know that's actually one of the areas where they do have some talent returning for 22 and even mm-hmm. some depth. You already mentioned Hickman. You already mentioned um, Josh Proctor coming back with Bryson Shaw then also being in the mix. Uh, whether you're talking about, you know, you've got Court Williams going to be in his third mm-hmm. year. You've got um, Lathan Ransom, as you mentioned, who's had some experience. Like, I'm not that worried about it's more the huge hole that it leaves two or three years down the line because you can look at this defense from the last two years wasn't let down by the immediate recruiting in the year before 
it's been let down by what happened three years ago, right? With, with the huge gap in cornerback recruiting or some misses in linebacker recruiting. And that's why they were in the situation. I think they've been in the last two years. So I, when I look at that as being a potential, like to get neither one of those guys and to then have not, not really addressed safety in any meaningful way in this class, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, like that would seem to just really loom as a potential disaster three years down the road. Yeah, because that, I mean, the only safety you have right now is Kai Stokes, who's going to play cover safety. So that does nothing for your back end. This is this will have been a problem and it's not going to it's not going to show up immediately. It's going to be very similar to how you had misses at cornerback in 2018 and 2019. And then it showed up like two years later when those guys were supposed to be three year guys. That's when it's going to show. It's not going to show up now. It's going to show up in 2024 if you don't correct this race or if you don't either get if, if you don't land these guys. But then you have to that just means you have to 100 percent correct it in 2023 and you have to swing big in that class because then you need guys who are ready by year two. So you think Zion Branch is not going to end up at Ohio State? Do you have a lean right now on Xavier Nwankpa? I'd put my confidence level that he's going to be a Buckeye out of six, which is almost like wade in the water there. It's just interesting because Iowa's defense was really good this year, and they've carved out a role for him as well and what they want him to be. And it'd be interesting to see if like they can get him to stay home. But I'll put my confidence at a six for now going into the commitment tomorrow. I think it would would seem like a long gap for Marcus Freeman to have to try to close in a short amount of time to get him to Notre Dame. But I, but Iowa seems like it could be a real draw just because of it is another defense that is legit. And although you could argue, you know, that big 10 championship game, I was impressed by Iowa's defense up to a point and that point being that when it's offense could not stay on the field more than three plays yeah. and that, that defense, I think obviously got worn down over the course of that game, but you can't, but, th- but that's been a place where you can, I mean, I was a place where you can go in the big 10 and make a name for yourself on defense and end up in the NFL. I think that's been proven over time too. And right away, and basically right away, make an impact like that guy's talented yeah. enough to start for Iowa day one. I don't know if Ronnie Hickman comes back. I, I don't think Xavier Wampa is a starter from day one here. And if that, how much that, that matters a, a lot too. One, does he just want to stay home? But then also does a kid want to play as a true freshman? Is it, a, is it a top three on his list of things he's looking for? Cause if that's the case, I was probably a better fit for him. We're going to take a break there. We're going to come back and talk about another big defensive back situation that is going to affect this 2022 class potentially. And a lot of other subjects you are listening to Buckeye talk. Talking 2022 recruiting class and signing day, which is a week away here on Buckeye Talk. Steven, Sonny Styles is a member of the 2023 recruiting class right now. He committed mm-hmm. uh, during the season. What is going on with this potential reclassification? We're getting a lot of texture questions about that. I mean, there hasn't been much talk about the reclassification part of it. I don't th- yeah, I don't. I, as of right now, there's no talk for him to be reclassification. I, I understand that's like a thing now because Quinn Ewers did it, um, but I don't. That's not the best thing for everybody. You know, I, it's better for him to stay, to be in the 2023 class and just be a kid for a couple more months and then show up here next January. That's like the best thing for this kid. So I, it's not a real conversation right now. We'll, we'll see what happens after this. You know, he's done playing basketball this year and he has a chance to sit down and breathe and talk with his family about things. But right. That's not a conversation that anybody in the Styles household is having right now. So as far as you know, you, like Nobody at, in Sunny Styles' camp and nobody at Ohio State is talking about reclassification because that's not no. the that's not the indications that uh, people are asking us about. Yeah, no, there's there's no reason to think that that com- that that's even a conversation right now. That's the key right now. Things can can change a lot because obviously change just like things change with Quinn Ewers and anybody else who's ever reclassified. But right now, his focus is he's a junior in high school playing high school basketball at Brickerton Central High School. What position is he going to be when he gets to Ohio State? whatever position he wants to be. And that's like not hyperbolic. Obviously the bullet, he'd be like their Isaiah Simmons. So he takes the bullet to another extreme level because he can do, you can put him back and make it a two deep safety. You can bring him up in the box and have him do linebacker things in a way that you really can't do with Ronnie Hickman. It's almost what we thought Craig Young was going to be 
except Sonny Styles is a five star doing it. That's probably the best way to put it, because the, the, the Isaiah Simmons thing, that's so one of a kind that that's an unrealistic expectation to have for people. But he and Craig Young have very similar body types. And Craig Young has the ability to do a little bit of everything, even if they didn't use him that way. That's the expectation for Sonny Styles is to be everything Craig Young was not here. We get a lot of questions about the lack of five stars in this class. There's right now only one five-star commitment, uh, I believe, by, per the 24-7 consensus, and that's C.J. Hicks, the, the linebacker from Dayton. There was another five-star, obviously, in this class uh, previously, being Quinn Ewers, mm-hmm. pre-reclassified to 2021. So that is part of this also. And Hicks is, is definitely coming, but that does leave Ohio State with potentially one five-star, depending on what else happens in the weeks ahead. Now, I am always one to push back on that and say, well, if you don't get a f- any, if you get only one five-star, but then you get the players who ranked like 38 through 43, who didn't weren't quite five stars, but were, you know, almost just behind the arbitrary cutoff, then that's not that, you know, make sure you're looking at that in context. But do you think this class lacks enough star power? Does it not have star power relative to what we are have grown to expect from Ohio State classes? Right now, there are what, seven or eight commitments from the top 100? Eight commitments from the top 100. No. And Caleb Burton was the number one wide receiver in the country, and then he got hurt. So there's context behind some of the reasons why they don't have a five-star. Gabe Powers spent the first two years that after they, you know, gave out stars for this cycle as a five-star. And now he's like a borderline five-star CJ Higgs worked his way up to being a five-star. And then obviously yeah, Quinn Ewers is gone. So I, I think Ohio state had six, five stars in 2021. I'm excluding yours from that conversation, obviously. And, and I think they're fine here with only having the one five-star because I think Caleb Burton is a five-star talent. Who's just not being classified as that because you get hurt and you don't play and you fall in the rankings. That's just what happens sometimes. So no, I, I think they're fine coming off of what they did in 2021. I think this class is fine because Terrence Brooks is in the same range as Jalen Johnson, JK, John, JK, uh, JK Johnson and Jordan Hancock, as far as a guy who like could help your team by year two, or maybe even in year one as a cornerback, obviously I just mentioned Caleb Brown, Caleb, Caleb Burton, Caleb Brown has like the same type of skill set as Jackson Smith, the Jigba. not saying he's going to be Jackson Smith, the Jigba, but they bring some of the same, you know, qualities to the table. We'll see what happens with Amari Abor. If he ends up joining the class as a five-star edge rusher. So that gives him another five-star. I, this class just doesn't isn't as shiny as 2021 because that one had so many five stars, but I think it's fine. I would point out that if you look at the, you know, this is a class ranked number one in the Big Ten, obviously, as, as Ohio State almost always is. And if you look at the overall points, which is almost useless, I think, because it's all de- very largely dependent on the number of commits you have, it, it, it's 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 a relatively small gap with Penn State, the number two team. However, when you look at the average star ranking, it's 93.85 for Ohio State next to 90.43 for Penn State. And that's the only other team that's at 90. You drop down to Michigan 88.25. So again, relative to the rest of the Big Ten, this is a class that is um, it gets more quality than than quantity. Um, but I, I do I do see where it, I think it's more position dependent as far as whether the mm-hmm. lack of star power, as we just talked about with safety, you know what I mean? Like if you don't get an impact player at safety in this class, considering now that you're starting three safeties at a time, then I think that's a problem. If you don't, if they didn't, if they weren't addressing linebacker with someone of substance, which they are, but if they weren't addressing linebacker with someone of substance in the long term, then I think that would be a problem. Uh, there are some other positions, though, where I think this comes into play. And here's one that I wanted to ask about, which is of those eight top 100 prospects, the commitments that are ranked uh, in the top 100, the eight that they have, none are offensive linemen. So is this another area that looks like it could be a huge hole three years down the line if they don't get a an offensive lineman of true impact in this class i mean yeah and they're not gonna get an offensive lineman of true they're not gonna get a top 100 offensive lineman that's just not gonna happen the the closest thing they're gonna get to that is if carson heinzman decides he doesn't want to stay home and go to wisconsin and he comes to ohio state he's number 137 player in the country number seven interior offensive lineman so they're not going to have a top 100 offensive lineman. So we don't even have to speak of the uh, hypothetical. What if they don't get one? 
uh, offensive line is such a developmental position and they've got so much depth on the interior that even adding Carson Hines, they're fine there. It's, it's, it comes back to the conversation we've been having here on this pod for months about where is the top tier offensive tackle at? What happens if Dewan Jones, for some reason, decides to test his luck in the NFL? Or even if he does come back, what happens if somebody gets hurt? And it's just because the only options right now are Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones. Those are your ta- starting again, tackles. Again, 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 hold on. Stop. Like, we're not talking about the 2022 team, though. Like, the 2022 team, a freshman's not going to come right in right away and play. Like, even, you know, Donovan Jackson, mm-hmm. even Paris Johnson. Those guys didn't come in and play right away. I'm talking about how much does it hurt the 2024? Does it look like it's going to be a huge chasm in the 2024 cl- team if they don't land offensive linemen of impact in this class, like for 2022 is irrelevant. Yeah. It, uh, once again, you got to, then, then you take it to 2023 and you hope you get a guy who is like a Harry Miller or a Paris Johnson and is ready to start in year two. So does Luke Montgomery come on board? You know, you're probably not going to get Katie Proctor because this is not where their head is at right now. Does Peyton Kirk, Kirkland, you know, at some point bite on the momentum that seems to be putting him in the Ohio State's class? And does he come on board? You know, those are the two. If you start looking at 2023 guys and going, which one of these guys do you feel like can be ready to go in year two? In year two. And Luke Montgomery and Peyton Kirkland are two guys who kind of jump out, jump out at you as guys who could be able to do that as long as they end up Buckeye. So as there is a lot of this is just as long as it happens in year in 2023, where that's the year where once again, you kind of have a big shiny class like you had in 2021. I think they're fine, man. That just really seems dangerous to me too, though, that if you're banking on second year guys, because we've seen so many guys come through here who weren't ready in their second year, Mm -hmm. even though they turned out to be pretty great down the line, but weren't ready in their second year. And to assume that though, if that's what you're banking on, you are really playing with fire, I think. Like, how did they get to this point with this class where, I mean, Tegra Shibola is number 112, 112. overall. So that yeah. is, they do have a commitment of, I mean, he's a four-star. That's a good commitment. You get it. If you got you, you land in-state guys like that, I don't sneeze at that. I think those guys can turn into quality starters. But why is there nothing of greater impact in this class on the offensive line? They're only succeeding at one half of what the purpose of offensive line recruiting is. There is a balance of having the highly rated guy, but then also, you know, the lower rated guy who's a little bit more of a developmental project. But if he hits, you look like a genius, right? That's I mean, that's what they had this year with their two tackles with Dewan and, and Nicholas Petit Fran. That's what they'll have next year with Paris and Dewan. They're not hitting on the JC Latham's of the world, the Zach Rice's of the world, you know. To, that's the problem right now. They're, they're not hitting it. There's, there's a lot of guys on this. On the, if you really look at the scholarship chart, there are a lot of guys where you can look at them and go, hmm, based off their recruiting ranking, if they hit Ohio State's a genius for finding this hidden gem. I mean, they have one of those guys in the 2022 class right now and Avery Henry, who is like ranked in the 1000s and is the number 126 offensive tackle in the country. But there's not enough of the high end guys to offset that because every time, just like, yeah, every, Every five star is not going to turn out, but then also every hidden gem that you think you're you found the diamond in the rough isn't going to turn into that hidden gem that ends up popping like that. So they're they're only succeeding in one half of the way they want to recruit offensive linemen. And that's why we're in this position where we are right now, where we're going, man, what does the offensive tackle position look like in 2023 and beyond? Yeah, it's 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 not called finding a diamond in a pile of diamonds. It's called finding yeah. a, a diamond in the rough. And that means <laughs> you're putting up with the rough and they're rare to find. And uh, that seems to be a position. I just, I don't know. Like I'm trying to th- look ahead three years in the future and think, where will this class be in three years? You know, the way we look right now and we say, well, 2021 is a bit of a product of what happened in 2018 and 2019. So 2024 and 2025 are going to be a product of what's happening in the next week and, and how they finish off this class. And I, the consternation about the offensive line recruiting. And I've been one who's pushed back on that a little bit, um, you know, basically saying that if you look at the teams that they've put on the field the last couple of years, maybe they didn't have the abundance of superstars that, that people necessarily wanted, but there were plenty of five stars and, and, and top 50 guys and, and pretty high recruits that have been starting on this line. And you do get the developmental guys like Dewan Jones. I mean, they've been paying off really both halves of it, up through this season, but you don't have to look very far into the future to see where the drop-off might catch up to them. No, with all that being said, transfer portal, I won't be surprised if, if they don't do well 
if, uh, as, as, if they're not going to have a top 100 guy. So if they, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the offensive line is on their list of transfer portal looks. I'm not saying they would add somebody by the 2023, but just every year you probably you go into that transfer portal like, OK, let's look at this position. Let's look at this position. Let's see if we like what we see here. Let's see if we like what we see here. And these are positions. These are the positions we're going to look at. I won't be shocked if offensive lines on that list going into the offseason for the 2023 season. What's the position that you think Ohio State did the best job of solving its big its need for this class? You know what I'm saying? Like which which yeah. is the one that at the beginning of if you go back to 2019 or whatever, or 2020, and they start really looking at who they're going to get for 2022 or what position they're probably going to need for 2022. Where did they address that the best? Undoubtedly linebacker. I mean, Gay Powers, like I said, borderline top one, borderline five star recruit, forty number forty nine player, number five linebacker, CJ Hicks, the best linebacker in the country. Um, and CJ Hicks is a guy who uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he's playing significant snaps. When, you know, they play Notre Dame next year, so that that's undoubtedly that was. And the thing is, that problem showed up on the field this year, and then the the answer to it is immediately showing up two months after the season, even if that doesn't help you for that year. So it's undoubtedly linebacker, wide receiver. They did a great job, but I mean, they do a great job every year. That's not. I don't know if like this is probably one of Brian Hartline's least impressive classes given where some of these guys were ranked in comparison to other years, just based solely off of the rankings part of it. Um, cornerback is clearly second, getting Terrence Brooks, getting Jair Brown, and then getting Ryan Turner. Uh, Jair Brown and Terrence Brooks are two guys who might be able to help you right away. But it, in that order, linebacker is clearly one, and then I think it's a, a little bit of a gap, and then it's corner. Anything besides offensive line that you feel is still sticking out there as a potential flop or something that – you think that they still can address with a big commitment here in the next week? Yeah. Defensive line. I don't know if it's going to come in the next week or not, but defensive line right now, it's just, it's Kenyatta Jackson. (laughs) That's all they have right now. And I do think some of that was maybe the questions of whether or not Larry Johnson was coming back next year or not. And it doesn't seem like he's going to leave just based off of what Bill Landis had. Bill Landis came out and said that there's the expectation that Larry Johnson will still be here. Um, He's out on the road right now recruiting. Um, Nathan, he told you when you guys were walking out of the building yesterday, he was headed to Los Angeles. And if, I mean, if, if you're going to California, you're probably going to see Hero Canoe, which would be the second in-home visit he's gotten over the last two weeks here. Um, but his decision isn't, his public decision is not coming until, you know, an All-American game until the, until January 8th. So the world won't actually know, Ohio State will know if they got him or not, but the world won't actually know until January 8th. Uh, Amari Abar, he's committing on J- January 2nd at another All-American game. Uh, so that, that uh, Caden Curry, now that his season is over, he's probably going into decision mode. So we'll see if he makes a decision before the signing day here. But that that's where it is right now. You've got one defensive line recruit, and you're not really sure how many guys are leaving that room. You might lose Tyreek Smith, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Zach Harrison, uh, Haskell Garrett, Antoine Jackson. You might lose a lot of guys out of that room, and you're only bringing one guy back in as of right now. So that's like the real you know, safety. We know who the answers are. We're seeing if they're actually going to come or not. Defensive line, we got to see if there's actually going to be answers in this class. Yeah, and again, I don't know if I'm expecting a guy to step in right away. I know we just saw it with Tyleek Williams, uh, but we didn't see it with Mike Hall. He came later. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know how much I ever look at positions like that and think, well, they've got to address a big need in 2022 with the 2022 recruiting class. I mean, especially at Ohio state and especially positions like this, like, so if, if Ohio state has gaps in its 2022 defensive lineup, other than maybe somebody of the talent of Hicks, but once you start getting away from that, it's hard to think that you're going to necessarily address it. Like how many defensive tackles come in right away and like star as Mm -hmm. freshmen, like some of them can't even really play as freshmen. That's like, it's, it's a position that is often one where you have to, there's a lot of physical growth necessary in that first year. So uh, if, if th- that, those solutions almost have to come from within and maybe they will, cause you've got Hamilton coming back. You've got um, Williams coming back. You've got Hall coming back. There seems to be a decent nucleus at tackle as far as 2022, but some those guys are already going to be second and third year guys. And maybe they're only here for three years. So mm-hmm. that's, that's where I'm, again, I'm still trying to look two, three years down the line at where there could be a big hole. And and then you're trying to, if you don't address it this year, then you're like trying to catch up next year. And you're right about the portal. It's obviously becoming a, a thing that people use more and more. And Ohio State has used it to great effect in recent years. They've also used it to minimal effect 
in recent years. Like they really could have used a really good linebacker this year. And um, I know Paulie Neatote had some injury issues, but it didn't show up on the field, um, uh, you know, his impact. So again, just as it is, it just as it's hard to bank on the diamonds in the rough, I think it can be hard to bank on the portal. Yeah. I, so far, Ohio State's, uh, I think, shooting a pretty good percentage. Probably is the only one who hasn't hit Justin hit, Trey Sermon hit, jo- Jonah Jackson hit. But yeah, you're right. You can't, that can't just be the answer to all your problems. You got, and I, I don't think Ohio State wants that to be the answer to all the problems. It needs to be a plug and play situation. It doesn't need to be, oh, well, we missed on three guys in a class. So now we have to go find three transfer portal guys. That's not the way they've used it in the past. And that's, I'm sure that's not the way they're going to use it in the future. It's, it cleans up one miss. Like it cleaned up the fact that they didn't get Bijan Robinson. It's not, it didn't clean, it's not going to clean up the fact that if you hadn't gotten Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor. Yeah, it, that's the other thing to remember about the transfer portal is it's 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 rarely a long term solution. You know, the Justin Fields yeah. thing where they got two years out of him is a little bit uncommon. And every other situation where it's worked out really well for Ohio State, and we'll see about Noah Ruggles who came in as a grad transfer. They're going to have him for two years, but like Trey Sermon was one year, Jonah Jackson was one year. Like a lot of times, it's in and out, and you you benefit, but it's it's a temporary fix and. They also haven't been able to do it at, at several other positions where it looks like, I mean, you can tell me that they couldn't use to, uh, they wanted, I think they would have loved the defensive back to have been out there to fix the mm-hmm. recruiting holes from two, three years ago that they could have brought in for this past season. They just weren't in the portal and we saw the effects of it. That's almost the thing there. I think quarterback is the only position where you can bank on getting a guy for multiple years just because of how that position goes, right? Whoever gets quick yours is going to get at least two years out of him. Um, Jack Miller, you're probably going to get more at least two years out of him because I don't know if he's going to Joe Burrow this thing and turn himself into a first rounder in one year. So that's out. You're right. That's unless you're a quarter, you're looking for a quarterback in there. You're probably not getting a guy for more than one year. You're getting a guy who's ready made and is probably out of, out of place where he's really good, but his team's not good. And so he wants to go try to compete now. As long as we're talking about the transfer portal, I want to touch on this real quick. We're not going to get into it in depth because at the time we're talking about this, we don't have all the facts. But the Eli Ricks situation that's very up in the air as far as the the, the the LSU transfer, is he coming here for a visit? Is he not coming here for a visit? Is Ohio State pursuing him or not pursuing him? Um, we're going to try to get more real information on that before we talk about it. There's obviously rumblings out there that Ohio State is not involved in him anymore. But we're going to try to talk about that more, I think, on Thursday's podcast uh, but for now, just know that we're telling you everything we can as far as the texts. Again, 614-350-3315. And we'll try to keep people updated on that as to whether or not he is actually coming for a visit. We know we were able to confirm with the house, uh, you know, with, with people close to the situation that as of Sunday, he was still planning to be here for a visit. So we'll see how that goes. We're going to take a break here. We're going to come back and finish up talking about the week ahead for Ohio State in this 2022 signing class here on Buckeye Talk. So let's talk a little bit about some of the more specific guys here because uh, our texters want to know who's actually going to make an impact and which of these prospects, because as you mentioned, Stephen, there's there's several developmental guys in this. Out of the 16 commitments right now, I think five are ranked outside the top 200. So a third of the class right now are more like long-term developmental guys. One guy I had questions about, because you said obviously linebacker has been a, a big success for this class, getting Hicks and Gabe Powers. Is is Powers going to arrive as a linebacker and is he going to leave Ohio State as a linebacker? Or is, <laughs> or is he positionally fluid still at this point? Yeah, we'll see how much he's going to grow. He's done a good job keeping his weight down. I, I think that's helped him be able to stay in a position where he can stand up and still be a linebacker. And that's going to play because he's 230 pounds right now. If you see him in real life, he do, he looks more like he's you know, 215, but he's 230 pounds and he's six foot four. So he's teetering right now on, are you an inside linebacker or are, are you an edge rusher? So I think as long as he feels like, he can keep his weight. It's almost like similar to what G Scott had to deal with and why he ended up being a tight end. It's do you want to deal with the stress of having to keep your weight at a certain level so you can play this position? 
Or do you just want to let it happen, put on an extra 15 pounds and play a position where you might be able to make a little bit more money for yourself because you just added to your value? And so that's the question that Gabe Powers is probably going to, especially once he gets in Coach Mick's hands. I think this this offseason, this winter workouts, once he gets here, will be really important to see if it's worth for him, you know, trying to keep that weight down and trying to stay as a linebacker. But if he ends up as a defensive end, that helps that depth, even if it hurts the linebacker depth. Right. And the linebacker is now switched to a position where you just like defensive end. You only start two at a time because of what the right. bullet is, assuming they keep that in place you know, going forward. So the, the G. Scott tight end conversation had not really started in a public way mm-hmm. when he was coming into Ohio State. I don't know how much I don't remember rumblings being out there. He was no. thought of as like being a bigger wide receiver, but nobody was thinking like, oh, maybe you should convert to tight end. At least there wasn't a lot of that talk publicly at the time with powers. I feel like the defensive end thing is already out there. Does he want to stay at linebacker? Is that like, does he want to be a linebacker? He does want to be a linebacker. I think you see it more with linebackers than any other position <clears throat> just because linebackers are never really the size that they're going to be at the college football level when they're playing high school football. Right. That's just kind of normal because they're teenagers. Desan McCullough, who was also in the Ohio State class before his dad got the job at in, as the running backs coach at Indiana and he flipped there. He's kind of going through a similar thing right now where it's gone from him. Oh, is he the next Isaiah Simmons? So now he's 6'5", 220. And it's like, all right, maybe he might be an edge rusher and he's actually classified as such at this point. And so, yeah, that, that that's something that I think, People like Gabe, Desan, and people who are still growing, who are linebackers right now because probably they're the best athlete on their team and you don't just want to put his hand in the dirt on every single play. He doesn't go to the biggest high school. He goes to Marysville High School and Marysville, Ohio, which is like right outside. It's like an hour away from Columbus. So it's not like he goes to the biggest high school in the world. So like they use him everywhere, which is part of this. But it, it, yeah, it, 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 it's a conversation. The idea of understanding that he has to keep his weight at a certain level if he wants to continue to be a linebacker at that size. Ohio State has four receiver commits in this class right now coming from Texas, Chicago, Arizona, and Georgia. We're about to go into a 2022 season where it's crazy how fast this has gone, but Jackson Smith the Jig was going to be a third-year player in 2022. Julian Fleming is going to be a third-year player in 2022. And there's been some other attrition in that room, obviously, over the you know, since they came in as freshmen. So they may need someone early. I don't know if they need any of these guys to be to hit for 2022, but certainly by 2023, I think they probably need someone from this class to emerge as a player. So which of these four guys do you think has the best chance to be the version of maybe kind of like a Jackson Smith and Jigba who started, you know, flashing as a freshman and then really broke through as a sophomore. Caleb Burton has the best chance of, you know, being a freshman in the, in the name of a freshman goes off against Michigan, at least two of the last three times they played. I think Caleb Burton's probably the best candidate for that because he's got a similar background as Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba being that he goes to, he transferred from Del Valley, but he's from Texas, goes to Lake Travis high school. Um, like I said, he was the number one wide receiver in the country before he messed up his knee last year. And has been trying to, you know, bounce back from that this season. He's had a pretty quality season though. So just because of, in the name of, you know, ready versus talent, which was always the conversation with Jackson and Julian Fleming, Caleb Burton's probably just the most ready because he lives in Texas. But I do think <laughs> Caleb Burton, Caleb Brown, and Keon Grays are Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, and Garrett Wilson. And I'm not saying that to say they're going to be as good as those three guys. What I'm saying is their style of play mimics that. Caleb Brown is the Jackson Smith, the Jigba in the slot as a guy who is a bigger, sturdier guy who can who's yards, who gets yards up to the catch the way somebody breathes. Caleb Burton's really explosive in all different ways. And you can use him all over the field the way they do with Garrett. And then Keon Grays is a speedster and a, a legitimate deep threat who's got elite route running ability, as like Chris Olave does. And then obviously Kojo Antwi, you throw him in there as well as a more, you can kind of put him in a lot of different spots. I, I don't, I'm not sure whether he's going to be an X receiver or a Z receiver yet, but he can fit into either one of those two positions. But if I had to rank the order of most ready to step on the field and impact the game from day one, Caleb Burton is probably first, Keon Grays is second, and then Caleb Brown is third, and then Koja Antwi is fourth. As I mentioned before, there's six commitments ranked outside the top 200 right now for this class. Which one has the highest ceiling? That's, I'm gonna, I'll list them off real quick. Ooh. Running back Dallin Hayden, 
Offensive tackle, George Fitzpatrick. And the other one you already mentioned, Avery Henry. Cornerback, Ryan Turner. Uh, Kai Stokes, who's listed as an athlete. And then Bennett Christian, tight end. I think Kai Stokes has the best chance of – I don't even know if this is answering the question. He has the best chance of outplaying his ranking because I think being just re- classified as an athlete could hurt you sometimes because, like, what does that even mean? They're all athletes. It's better to almost to be classified as a certain position. Um, Where does Ohio State, he, where's Ohio State going to use him? Cover safety. And he like fits it pretty well. He's 6'2", 185. There's some Cam Martinez ability in there. We saw Cam Martinez flash at that role early in the season. I think he might be able to do that in some garbage minutes. We might see him start flashing in the second half of some of these already decided games. So I think he has the best chance of outplaying his ranking. I think Dallin Hayden has the best chance of having a role next year, just because in the name of Travion Henderson, your starting running back, and then this idea of like whoever practices the best behind him is a spell back next year. Um, I think he can be in that mix with Mayan Williams and Evan Pryor and a healthy Marcus Crowley to be the number two guy on a week by week basis. You think he could be the number two back over Williams and Pryor on a given week? I, yeah, I do think if, if it's literally just whoever practices the best, that's who it's going to be. I think so. I think that he's a, he's a, he has, he's almost Mayan Williams like where he's a very violent and physical runner and always is seeking out contact. And you pair that with, you just got done dealing with an explosive Travion Henderson. And now you got to deal with this physical guy. I do think he can be in the mix to be in that conversation. He's a little more ready to run between the tackles than Evan Pryor was in year one. Hmm. But Evan Pryor will be in year two. Yeah. I'm saying he'll be in year three. (laughs) I'm saying he'll be in the mix. I'm not saying he's going to beat those guys out and be automatically the number two running back. I just think he'll be in the mix and will compete. What else haven't we talked about as far as things people need to know over the next week? Like where else could there be a, a commitment that they need to be on watch for, even if it's not a specific person, but a position that that is still kind of hanging out there that needs to be addressed? Yeah, AJ Harris, we, we touched on him for a little bit. He's either going to commit on Wednesday as well, which uh, I believe that's his mother's birthday, or he's going to hold off until January 11th, which is his birthday. So keep an eye on that if that comes. And then obviously continue to keep an eye on Connor Heinzman, continue to keep an eye on Amari Abor, you know, continue to keep an eye on Caden Curry, especially Caden Curry and Connor Heisman, because they don't have set dates yet. So they could pop at any moment here as we get closer and closer to the signing day. So those are two guys. If you're on social media, I would turn your notifications on because that decision could be coming at any moment. So those oh. three guys, specifically Connor Heisman, Caden Curry and, and AJ Harris in the 2023 class, pay attention to those guys. Don't, don't, don't turn your social media notifications on. Just get the Buckeye talk texts. That's it's, we, we, we jump fair. right past the social media. You know, you just delete. That's fair. Just delete. That's fair. Because uh, yeah, we will text you about it like two seconds after it happens. You're, <laughs> you're correct. <laughs> after they tweet it, we'll tell you about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> tell us more about Caden Curry, because I know that's a guy that Ryan Day was just in to visit. Where does he fit in? Three tech. And the question with him is, like, does he want to do that? The number 79 player, the number 12 defensive lineman in the class out of Center Grove High School in Greenwood, Indiana. Ohio State's been in on this one for a while now, since this, uh, back when we were in pandemic and everything was a Zoom call. Everything's still kind of a Zoom call, but that's not the point. I, the question with him is, what does he want to be? What does he think his best route to the NFL is? Ohio State, Larry Johnson, they believe it's three tech. That's where he can maximize his ability, maximize his value. While there are other places like Indiana and Alabama who also got unofficial uh, official visits this fall who believe that they can play him at defensive end. So is he hell bent on being a defensive end? Because like obviously that's the cool, shiny position everybody wants to play. Or is he willing to go inside and do what Draymond Jones did, who who came here as a defensive end and eventually moved in at three tech, and now he's carved out a pretty good NFL career for himself. So that's what this boils down to. I, I think Ohio State's still the leader here. I would expect him to be in the class. Back when I did a post projecting who I think how the class would finish out, I put him in there. Um, so it comes down to that. Does he want to be, does he, is he really hell bent on being an end or is he willing to be a three tech? Because if he's willing to be a three tech, he's coming to Columbus. So you think they're going to get Curry. You're a slight lean on them getting Xavier Nwankwa still. Yep. Who else do you think they're going to add between now and Wednesday that isn't already committed here uh, between now and between now and Wednesday, like publicly. Um, yes. Or just now in and general Wednesday. between now and Saturday. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, those two, and then maybe Harris. I, you said, yeah, but even that—that's twenty twenty-three. So that's a different. Oh right, right, right. Okay, sorry. I'll say Connor Heinzman's in because I think Ernest Green is out, and I think they get that fourth offensive lineman, and I think that him coming once over the summer and then coming back for a game day visit. I think everybody in that family is pretty comfortable with him leaving Wisconsin and especially if he's leaving Wisconsin to come to Columbus. So I'll say those three are in the class by signing day. Anybody that you're on watch as far as flipping out of this class? No, I I think everybody's pretty comfortable in this class. The Ohio State's making their rounds, probably dropping off their letters of intent so they can fax them back in a week from now. But, yeah, everybody's pretty comfortable in this class, and everybody's quiet because they're just waiting on signing day and going about their business. Well, follow along because we're going to be bringing you any intel that we get between now and next Wednesday as far as how this class finishes off. and Or as Stephen says, it's not actually finishing off by Wednesday, but as far as leading into signing day and who Ohio State locks up. Follow him on Twitter. I was just kidding about Twitter before. Follow Stephen on Twitter because he'll be texting a lot about uh, – I'm on there all the time. What am I going to say? But definitely get the text if you haven't already. Again, it's a great week for the two-week free trial, a great time for the two-week free trial if you haven't tried it before because it gets you through signing day. It gets you a lot of the bowl prep that's going to be happening the next two weeks when there's things like opt-outs if players decide not to play, if there's more transfer news, if there's any coaching news. Like that's the first place I go, first place Stephen goes, first place Doug goes to talk about it. It's you get it immediately within seconds of it coming off our fingers there. 614-350-3315. And thank you sincerely to everyone who has signed up for that because it helps us do things like sending people to bowl games that are expensive and sending people to New York to go hang out with CJ Stroud as he's a Heisman Trophy finalist. That It shows up in what we're able to then go do to bring you guys more information, guys and gals, I should say. Thank you again for listening today. And for Stephen Means, I'm Nathan Baird. And that was Buckeye Talk.